0: Midtown Detroit Studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today.
1: Today we're going to talk about cell phones. These things in our hands and in our pockets that have become windows to all forms of communication and interaction. We all realize their power and potential, but do we know how dramatically they are changing our world? or maybe changing us. And is it time to stop calling them phones, given all the other things they do? We'll discuss next on Detroit Today, right after the news from NPR.
2: Detroit Today is supported by Michigan School of Psychology in Farmington Hills. Educating psychologists today who will transform our world tomorrow. Learn more at msp.edu.
1: Good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson and as always... Thanks for tuning in. So indulge me for just a second and take the thing that you use to check email or surf the web or look at social media out of your pocket and look at the screen. What do you call this thing? You call it a phone, a cell phone, and it has become... Part of your life in a way that almost no other object, that I can think of, has. If you leave the house and don't have it, there's this incredible sense of panic that you get. Where's my phone? I need my phone. I can't go anywhere without my phone. And what's one of the first things you do every morning? Roll over Check the phone. What's one of the last things you do at night before you go to sleep? Look at the phone, see what's going on. This has become a huge part of our interpersonal and social ecosystem. These things connect us to news and information, to games, to our loved ones, and they do it in milliseconds and in ways that most of us never thought would be possible only two decades ago. These connections occur so fast that taking a call, by comparison, seems quite slow. And calls are often the thing that we do the least with these things in our hands. Every week, I get a report on my cell phone about all the activity that I've indulged. And every week, the lowest percentage is phone calls. Every once in a while, when I'm thinking about things we should be talking about here on Detroit Today, it's just the kind of everyday life observations that pop into my mind. And today's show is a really good example of it. A few months ago, I was having a conversation with my mother, who's about to be 80 years old. And who, like everybody else, has a cell phone and uses it for many different things. But she was confused in this conversation because she was looking at her voicemails and they were showing up as text, as they do on many phones. And she said, I'm reading this text and I want to text the person back, but it won't let me. So my text is broken. And it occurred to me at that point that for her, somebody who has lived seven decades, a lot of this is probably pretty confusing. Why is my phone sending me texts about people who called? That's was kind of the question she was asking. And that made me ask some questions about The phones, how we use them, and especially what we call them. Why do we still call these things phones when they do so much more than that? And how are these phones changing us? Are they making us more anxious, more alienated from others, more disconnected, even as they make it easier To be connected with each other. And if those things are true, if those are the questions that these things raise, what are the ways we need to learn to live with these things in our hands, in our pockets? Are we too attached to them? Will that attachment grow over time? Or should it be waning in some way? That's what I want to talk about today on the show. These things that we are obsessed with, these things that we pay, in some cases, more attention to than the people in our lives. And to talk about it, we've got a really great guest. Paul Levinson is a professor of communications and media studies at Fordham University in New York. He's also the author of many fiction and nonfiction books. But the one that is relevant to this conversation is titled Cell Phone the story of the world's most mobile medium and how it has transformed everything. Paul Levinson, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Good to be here.
1: So I want to start with this idea of the name, what we call this thing that we use for so many things. My phone is my connection to everything. And yet the thing that I do the least of it, of on it is talk to people pick it up dial a number and have an old-fashioned conversation you have spent a long time thinking about cell phones and the way they change us I guess my first question is why haven't we changed the way we think about these devices uh, to match the way that we use them
3: Well, Marshall McLuhan said a lot of important things, and one of the most important things that he said is we drive into the future looking at the rearview mirror. Mm. And what he meant by that is even though technologies do new things, we understand them and even call them by names that apply to earlier things. For example, the radio was for many years called the wireless Mm -hmm. because people knew that you could communicate through the telegraph and the telephone that required wires way back then in the nineteenth century and so the magical thing about radio is well hey it could just be broadcast through the air you didn't need any wires for the connection and the cell phone now called the smartphone really obviously came from the telephone system and the reason it was first invented was people wanted to cut the umbilical cord of the wire in their homes and offices and be able to have a conversation with people any place they might be both the caller and the person who's called Pretty soon, though, as you've pointed out, since the Internet was already catching on and really burgeoning in its impact and use during the 90s, the people who made these phones began to think, well, you know, if there was some way we could use them, people could use them to connect to the Internet, that would really be a great benefit. And right along with that was, well hey, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could use this device to take a photograph anytime we want? You know, I remember growing up knowing some people who of themselves on never leaving home without a little camera. Mm-hmm. They, and you know, this would was, this was be part of their lives. They loved looking at the world, they loved taking photographs, and a lot of people have felt this way. And the idea that in this device that you use to talk to people, to connect to the internet, could also take photographs was one of the most brilliant ideas in history. And so Absolutely there's no doubt that today in 2022 uh, that little device that you were talking about is used much more often to take photographs than it is to talk to people mm-hmm. and it's uh, even used more often than that to log on to this app or that you know Twitter Facebook uh, whatever you want to reach on, on the internet but The nomenclature is still in the rearview mirror and is still something, and it's going to be a long time, I think, before we give up that word phone.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think we also have to kind of acknowledge the branding influence here. and go back to the introduction, of course, of the iPhone by Apple, which is not the first smartphone, I don't think, but but it is the one that kind of sets the pattern uh, for, for the future. And the fact that even as Apple advertised this device, and I've got one sitting in front of me here and have had one pretty steadily since they introduced it, um, they introduced it as, as, you know, a device that would do many different things. They called it, a phone. It's it's a phone. It's an iPhone. It's not an uh, i device or an i communicator. It's an iPhone, and and I I think you know because we live in a world where branding has so much influence over the way we think and and speak about things uh, that that has a lot to do with with what happened as well. And it, 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 in some ways, it seems like it has delayed uh, a, a thinking about. Uh, what what this thing is and what influence it actually it actually has over us
3: well absolutely and that was a very deliberate move uh, apple didn't do that well with the newton which was basically a little portable computer that people could carry mm-hmm. and uh, whether it was steve jobs himself or people in the apple operation that came up with the idea of situating this internet connecting device that would be totally portable situating it in something you would call a phone uh... in retrospect that was a brilliant idea and that's what changed everything and in fact if you look at the history of technology obviously apples invention of the home computer probably still is the most important of everything that it did but as time went by something like the iPod which was a little portable device that was very revolutionary but certainly almost as important as the invention of of the personal computer itself is the invention of the iPhone and although there was some connectivity uh, to the internet there were BlackBerry devices uh Barack Obama famously didn't want to give up his BlackBerry when he uh, entered the White House in 2009. That was just a few years after the iPhone. He was still using the BlackBerry. So there were uh, devices that connected to the Internet, but none had the power and magic uh, of the iPhone. And one of the things that Steve Jobs did is he deliberately selected things like YouTube, and said, hey, you know what, there's this app, YouTube, and YouTube was very new then also. It had just begun a few months earlier. And uh, Jobs said, well, hey, let's put this app into the the iPhone, and then people can watch videos on the phone. So it it took that kind of mind to to realize and implement all of these applications. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, So let's talk about the work that you've done thinking about what the cell phone has done to us. How it's changing uh, our culture, and what you think about the way in which we're reacting, I guess, uh, to those to those changes. Uh, what is the effect that the cell phone has had on on us and our culture now that uh, it's about 15, 15 years old, and and we've got many different types and and forms of it uh, but but that uh, but that of course it is a thing that we all uh, feel like we need I mean uh, it, it crosses uh, all economic uh, strata in terms of the the, the reliance on it uh, try it, it, it uh, of, of course crosses racial and, and geographic differences I mean it is it is ubiquitous in a way that uh, that I certainly would never have thought it would be
3: well it has changed our lives and a good metaphor uh, for the cell phone or smartphone and indeed any technology is that it's like a knife uh, it, it can do wonderful things in the hands of a surgeon it can save People's lives. It can be used every day to cut food. In the hands of a criminal, it can do some really serious harm and damage. And and that is pretty much sums up uh, the way that the cell phone has changed our lives. It has enabled us to instantly get information about just about anything. That's very important because you know prior to that. To get news about something, you had to have a newspaper or be near a newspaper stand, and then after that, you had to be in proximity to a radio or a television set, and, and that was pretty good. You know, the radios and cars, radios and homes, televisions and homes. But now, obviously, you carry in, in your pocket something that, wherever you are, you can instantly find out what's going on uh, in the world. So. When when you hear, you know, the sad news that Queen Elizabeth has died, and you, you want to find out first of all, is it true or not? And you want some details. You can instantly get those details. And you can also instantly uh, be in touch with email, with uh, important business uh, decisions and people, uh, and for that matter, people, family, friends that you love and care about. So all that is really wonderful and it's changed our lives for the better in those senses. And uh, I think it's very important not to overlook those wonderful changes. But at the same time, as w- we know, uh, if you, uh, you know, log on to Facebook or Twitter, you may well see some vile garbage, uh, you know, an insane conspiracy theory. For example, in the early days of COVID, there, there was a, a nutcase theory going around that Bill Gates had somehow managed to put microchips into vaccines. Mm-hmm. And if you got a vaccination, somehow, mi- like, well, first of all, Gates wasn't even a associated with Microsoft anymore but somehow Microsoft would be able to track where you were and, and 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 that kind of insane theory was the least of it there were far more even ugly and insane theories going around so the problem is the same device that gives you facts and truth can can give you complete uh, dangerous garbage uh, if you're not careful and you don't know what you're looking at. The other point is, as you were saying in your introduction, precisely because the phone is so portable and so easy to put by our bedside, take anywhere we want, if we're not careful, we can be on, connected uh, to the world. Almost 24 hours a day. So, you know, indeed, there are people who sleep with their phone, uh, right next to them. Uh, the last thing they do at night is look at the phone. If they get up at night, in the middle of the night for a minute or two, they'll look at their phone. First thing they do in the morning is look at their phone. And, uh, it's not as if the phone requires that. And there's a way you can stop doing that if you don't want to do it. But if we're not careful, the phone can become too much uh, and dominate our lives to the extent where we become the servant of the phone rather than vice versa. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm talking with Paul Levinson. He's a professor of communications and media studies at Fordham University, also author of a book titled Cell Phone, The Story of the World's Most Mobile Medium and How It Transformed Everything. We're talking about these devices that uh, all of us uh, pretty much have in our hands or in our pockets and that we rely on for so much Communication and interaction. Uh, we also rely on them very heavily, I think, to organize and manage our lives. Uh, we want to hear from you during this conversation about the ways in which you use your cell phone. How is your cell phone most useful to you? Is it helpful? Uh, How do you think your cell phone makes your life easier? But also, we want to know the ways in which you feel like your phone maybe has changed you, or even manipulates you, changes your thinking, and the way you interact with other people. Does that make you skeptical of the cell phone and its power and its influence? Uh, Do you try to take time away from the cell phone for that reason? Put it someplace that uh, you're not obsessing about what's on the screen all day when you're awake. Uh, Do you feel like you need to take control back from the cell phone? Uh, As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Okay, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Paul Levinson, and we will get to your calls and social media comments. Especially let us know if you are listening to Detroit Today on a cell phone. I know a lot of folks who do that. Of course, people call into the show on their cell phones. We'll talk about how much uh, those devices really matter to us we'll be right back with more Detroit Today This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I'm talking with Paul Levinson. He's a professor of communications and media studies at Fordham University and author of the book Cell Phone, the story of the world's most mobile medium and how it has transformed everything. We are talking about our cell phones, our reliance on them, the things they bring us that make our lives more enjoyable, more enjoyable or easier, and also the influence that this technology has over us, the way it is changing the way we live, the way we interact with each other, maybe even changing our brains, the way our brains are wired to think about communication and interaction. I want to hear from you about how you use your cell phone, how you think about your cell phone, how much you think about your cell phone. I will make an admission. Uh, Anybody who knows me and is around me much will tell you that uh, the cell phone plays an outsized role in my life (laughs) every day. uh, Lots of people will say to me, you're spending too much time with that thing. That thing gets more attention uh, than other things in your life. Uh, Call and tell us if you are in the same boat and how you try to take control back from the cell phone. Also give us a sense of why we, Why you think we call these phones? Uh, are these phones in the traditional sense of the word? Uh, and if not, what should we be calling them? Should we be thinking of other words that are more descriptive uh, about what the the cell phone actually is? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. And you can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today. And we'll work you into the conversation. Alex on Twitter says, I think it's time we admit that Star Trek did it first, and we should call them tricorders. I'm a Trekkie, (laughs) so I actually appreciate that humor, Alex. Uh, Big Neo on Twitter says, I do indeed call it a cell phone in my civilian life, but when I'm performing my military function, I call it my mobile device or tell folks Contact me on my mobile. There is something more official sounding that way. Uh, that's a really interesting. That's a really interesting take on that as well. Um, before we get to uh, before we get to callers, Paul, I want to go back to the metaphor that uh, you drew on when we were talking about cell phones, and you said uh, you compared it to a knife, and said, "Look, in in the right hands, it's a useful tool. In the wrong hands, it can be a deadly weapon." But It seems to me that there is something perhaps more universally dangerous, I guess, about the cell phone than there is about a knife because um, it is able to manipulate our thoughts and our habits on such a grand scale. And there is something about that instantaneous nature of communication on the phone uh, and the, the fact that you can get... Uh, a much wider audience for your ideas through these devices than than we ever have that that seems to me worth worth drawing distinction between other tools that this is this is a tool of uh potentially mass destruction uh, in a way that a lot of tools aren't
3: well, first of all, let me say all creds to, I think Alex uh, was the yes. name. Right? So, yeah, absolutely, to Star Trek. Uh, it certainly changed my life. And, uh, yesterday was Star Trek Day, so it was, it was a good time to mention it. But listen, I don't have such a negative view about the phone, I, uh, about the cell phone, or about any technology. Uh, ultimately, it's a question of who's in charge. And, yes it is the case that technologies including phones change us in ways that we might not be totally aware of. We find ourselves in situations in which, you know, how did I become someone who the last thing I do before I go to sleep at night is look at the phone. I don't do that with any other technology. It used to be, I don't know, brushing my teeth, (laughs) you know, 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 kissing my significant other, whatever. And so, yes, that has changed us, but it's not as if, that's totally out of our control and uh, i think that uh, people who study technology sometimes get so caught up in the metaphor that uh, technologies are running us rather than vice versa that they lose sight of of the fundamental reality Which is that we can stop something, we can reduce using something any time we like if we want to. And I know as far as I'm concerned, I I make a a choice. Uh, now i 'm i 'm like you, I am rarely away from my phone. I have many reasons for doing it, as you mentioned i 'm also a fiction writer, a science fiction writer i 'm mm-hmm. still hoping steven Spielberg is going to call me, and you say i'm making a movie <laughs> out of your, your most recent novel, so you know i don 't want to that call so but um I can control that and uh, look, I just got back from Cape Cod where we spend the summers and I'm not so crazy that when I go swimming, I take the phone with me. By the way, there are ways that you can do that. There are waterproof uh things you can put the phone into and you know carry it in your bathing suit or you can hang it around your <laughs> neck so you know I I've made a decision no I I'm I'm swimming in Cape Cod Bay it's beautiful <laughs> so I think that people maybe need to be encouraged to realize they can control the phone it, it's not to say that the phone somehow has changed our very brain, or as you said, rewired our brain, that actually is a good science fiction story, but I think it's not yeah
1: <laughs> You think that's not true? All right. 313 577 1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313 577 1019. Let's go f- and start with Kevin in Sterling Heights. Kevin, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey. I don't think the phone the name for the phone's ever going to change because phone is too easy to say. Um, <laughs> you might get you might get the phonics people renaming it F O N you know it, it people are I mean people go to it, when you when you call something one syllable that's not going to get any simpler than that. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting way to think of it, Kevin. And and I, you know I, I don't have ideas about other you know uh uh single syllable words uh, that uh that would 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 replace that but but let's let's think for a second about phone and and go back to where where we, where did we get that word right so uh you know the telegraph uh, is invented in uh, the mid 1800s and that literally you know means words over uh, you know, over distance, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the telephone comes not very long after that, and that means sound over over distance. Uh, and then, of course, that gets abbreviated to phone, and that's what we what we end up with. So, I mean, there is kind of a uh, an evolution in an etymology that that makes some logical sense. I, I guess the question I'm asking is, what's the next the next step of the evolution, Paul. It's, it's, there is a there is a, a track here. It's just that it seems to have stopped dead on phone.
3: I, well, one way in which it might change is, I've been saying for a few years, I, sooner or later we're going to have little tiny devices that we can implant in our earlobes, And I mean, some (laughs) people might not want that, and it's going to be hard to call that a phone. Right, right. So, uh, as long as it's something you hold in your hand, it's as long as it's something where you can now, of course, see the number that you're dialing. But you know, you still have to press something to dial. You know, the number. It, It has enough proximity to the old-fashioned landline that will still be comfortable calling it phones. What's interesting, of course, is if you think about you know, new generations, they do come up with new names for things. Mm-hmm. And it is notable that uh, the, the word phone has survived uh, you know, here in the, in the 2020s. It's not as if uh, teenagers are suddenly calling the phone something
4: else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, really appreciate uh, the call, Kevin, and uh, your observation. Let's go to Marlene in Sault Ste. Marie. Marlene, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. How are you? Uh, it's, all right.
2: It's a nice morning here. I hope it is there, too.
1: Yes. Uh, I'm in
2: the UP, and I just wanted to note that not everybody gets cell phone, cell phone service. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of areas here that the phone just doesn't work. Mm-hmm and not just here but in northern Lower, that doesn't happen in a lot of other countries i think maybe it's the profit motive of uh oh, <laughs> there if there aren't enough people using the service uh, there's no profit or motivation to the companies to expand their service
1: to make sure yeah marlene tell me more about uh how that works for you i mean i assume you're i assume you're calling on a cell phone Right now but you may you may not be i guess you could be on yeah. uh, a landline uh, is that right yeah i
2: am yeah no i'm on uh i'm using a cell phone uh-huh. and uh for me it's really uh, good because i wear hearing aids and i have uh, bluetooth so uh the sound from the the uh, your voice comes goes right into my head it's not right right you know it's just I can't always hear a phone very well. Yeah,
1: yeah, but so but it's consistent. that if if you if you were to drive from the Sioux, for instance, uh, uh, yeah. back down to toward the uh, toward the lower peninsula, you would you would experience gap areas, is what you're saying.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Not as many going south as going
1: west. Yeah, yeah. I, I, know, I, that's a that's a really great observation, uh, Marlene. And I'm glad you called and and made it you know paul i I've, I've been using that word ubiquitous <laughs> during the conversation and you know marlene's point i think uh, makes uh, makes a counter argument there that that it isn't it isn't exactly ubiquitous and and there is this technology gap that that still persists
3: absolutely in fact uh, it, and indeed it's uh, at the very least all over the united states uh, Fordham University, where as you mentioned I teach, is about a 20 minute drive, uh, from my home. And, and there's a spot when I'm on the highway, uh, about five or six minutes where there's no phone service. That's here in Westchester County. As a matter of fact, I was telling my students just yesterday, in the building in which I teach, Faculty Memorial Hall, at uh, Fordham University in the Bronx, there's a floor <laughs> well, you can't get service. I, right, which is ridiculous. And, uh, you know, here I think it's important to keep in mind, that indeed, it's, it's the profit motive. And, uh, you know, I've been fairly critical of Elon Musk in terms of his bungled attempt to buy Twitter and, you know, his view about Trump, uh, but not to go off on that tangent. One of the things I really admire and appreciate about Elon Musk is his Starlink Service, which, by the way, he he got to Ukraine shortly after uh, the war started, and uh, I saw a report just you know a week or two ago that the uh, Navajo Nation out west, which had uh, a terrible cell phone service, uh, they bought some of these uh, Starlink uplink devices, and now they have. Uh, uh, fine service out there. So there are ways of handling this and, you know, look, the the government obviously has so many things that it's doing, this might not seem like the highest priority, but, uh, but I think sooner or later the government has to do something and fill in these gaps so everyone has uh, cell phone service.
1: Yeah. no, Marlene, I, I really love that uh, love that you listen up there in the Sioux, and uh, I love that you called to, to share that observation. Uh, let's go next to Mariah in Southgate. Mariah, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for taking my call. Sure.
2: Um, I just wanted to add my viewpoint as a younger person. I think we're doing a disservice to people by telling them just to set boundaries with technology. My generation, you know, I was required to use a computer, and then later a cell phone for jobs but you know it's much easier if you're 30 40 years old when cell phones come out and you already have a dr- trajectory for your life but hmm. when you're a young person and your parents are on TikTok maybe they're taking pictures of you and putting that on Instagram i mean we need to talk about that huh. and um i just want to talk That's through. a
1: really uh, that's a really interesting observation Mariah and and so give me a sense of i mean you don't have to tell me how how old you are but but for you, something like the cell phone, I, I'm assuming, has always been part of your life. In other words, there wasn't an introduction of of this device. Yeah, as,
2: yeah I would say yeah. that's fair. I'm 31, so I grew up seeing, you know, the phone on Save by the Bell, and my mom had one. Um, but to me, it just feels like, you know, the Reagan administration saying, just say no to drugs. You mm. can't just tell young people, set boundaries with Instagram. We don't know how to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mariah, I, 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 think that is a really important, uh, important point. This idea, Paul, of we, we do talk a lot about digital natives. I think, um, uh, you know, in in a generational sense, my children, for instance, w- won't remember a time when there weren't cell phones because they were just too young. Uh, the, 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 the use of laptops and and other kinds of devices, the, the. the the pervasiveness of social media these are things they grew up with and that is different for them when when we say things like hey put that down or or let's let's do something else i mean that that's a struggle i think lots of parents can can relate to but on on the, from the perspective of those children the difficulty of resisting something that has been part of your life your whole life yeah, it does look different than it does for you and i
3: yeah and i I think it, it you know this is a very very important point. I think that uh we need indeed to give kids more control over the communication that they use in their lives mm. than 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 generally happens i and we can talk about this for a couple of hours in and of itself. I mean if you think about it, you know Jean Piaget uh the founder and uh, considered the father of child psychology he discovered that people when they reach puberty so twelve thirteen years old already have adult cognitive structures meaning they think the same way that adults do Mm -hmm. in a way that a three-year-old kid doesn't and and if you think about it though however someone who's twelve thirteen fourteen to be instructed by their parents not to do this You know, to 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 limit their phone usage, I I think it's really uh, unfair, and I think that uh, kids do deserve more autonomy. The other point, though, I would make is, everyone, for a long time, and people are still talking about the importance of literacy, and what they mean by that is learning how to read and write, because that's a currency that if you don't have it in our society you're going to be at a serious disadvantage we also need the equivalent of literacy in terms of learning how to get the most out of digital media in general and smartphones in particular it's not something that we might come by naturally it's something that maybe some people are better at it than others and this you know should be communicated how to get on top of uh... the phone so that you can use it in a way that works best for you and by the way what that suggests is the, the answer is not the same for everyone it depends what you're doing it, it depends what you're seeking in life i mean obviously to use a very you know uh... simple example if you're looking for a job you don't want to stay away from the phone. Mm-hmm. You, you want to be there if an offer comes through to respond as soon as possible. If you're on vacation, you, you might want uh, you know the phone for a variety of reasons, but that is a time when maybe you should stay away from the phone. So it, it's not that complicated. We just need to focus on that more, I think. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Paul Levinson of Fordham University and continue to hear from you on social and on the phone. Stephanie in Oak Park, Sharon in Pleasant Ridge, Maryland in Oak Park we will get to you. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
4: Bringing you news that
1: matters. Stories that impact your life.
4: Music from the Motor City
2: and around the world. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station.
1: This is Detroit Today on 1019. WDETM, Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're having a really wonderful conversation with Paul Levinson, who is a professor of communications and media studies at Fordham University, also the author of many nonfiction and fiction books, including Cell Phone, the story of the world's most mobile medium and how it has transformed everything. We're talking about cell phones, uh, these things that uh, have such a influence on our lives uh, these days, not just uh, as devices to call one another on, but uh, devices to indulge all kinds of communication and interaction on. how important are they, how much are they changing our world and uh, how much control do we actually have over how much they're changing us? Uh, we want to hear from you, of course. three one three five seven seven one oh one nine is the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven. One oh one nine. You can also um, you can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go next to Marilyn in Oak Park. Marilyn, welcome to the show.
0: Hello, Stephen and Paul. Um, you, you you've made several inaccurate assumptions regarding uh, regarding people and cell phones. And number one, not everyone has or wants a cell phone. Number two, believe it or not, some people want to be able to use a cell phone just to place calls and receive calls. Mm. Number three, not everyone checks their cell phone first thing in the morning and last thing at night. <laughs> Number four, if I, if I forget to leave home without taking my cell phone, I actually breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yes. I could go on and on. Uh, but I won't because the phone I'm using uh, may stop working at any minute. That's that's what I've found in the past. But the <laughs> last thing is Thoreau. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Thoreau, but I did like his uh, one quote: "We have become tools of our tools," hmm. and that that's about it.
1: So, so Marilyn, tell me about uh, tell me about the the phone that that you are using is it just is it just a phone and and you you don't have other things on it or can't I mean there still are these so, uh, yeah go ahead I,
0: I've got I've got I, I should whisper this because everybody laughs, but I, <laughs> I have a flip phone you
1: do. and it
0: it has it has everything that I don't need on it that keeps uh, breaking and so I'm on my second uh, flip phone from this company and they'll probably be sending me a third one pretty soon <laughs> because all this other stuff that I really don't need. Uh, keeps going wrong and 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 plus they told me well I live in a brick house so that's part of the reason I I have very poor um, uh, 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 reception or or whatever they call it and at at, at this this all I want is just a phone where I can call somebody and and (laughs) and receive calls. Yeah
1: yeah Marilyn that's a I mean that's a really great perspective and you know, I mean, I think I—I I actually think my mom, uh, who I started off the show talking about this conversation I had with her, I, I think she would really appreciate something like that too, because she doesn't use a lot of the other features, and when they show up on the phone, they confuse her. Uh, this this idea, for instance, as I was talking about. Voicemails that get translated to text. She doesn't quite get that. That's not a text, which is the other thing uh, that the that the phone does. Paul, I wonder what you make of uh, Maryland's affinity for the flip phone and and phones that don't do so many things.
3: Well, more power to Maryland, and I think it's good. This is really the point I was making that we human beings have the power. Uh, to basically throw the phone away if we don't want it at all, to use a different kind of phone if all we want to do is talk. By the way, I think it's great that Marilyn lives in a brick uh house i mean you know bricks are really good they're you know, very good in cold weather so uh you know that that's probably more important than getting good reception than getting
1: phone. good cell service right yeah. uh, maryland uh love the the call and the observations let's go to dan in royal oak dan what's on your mind
4: hey steven thanks for taking my call mm-hmm. i think it's apropos since we are on detroit's greatest radio station that professor levinson has a music career that i think uh, should be plugged here, but also um, I'm curious <laughs> if the principles of the shallows, what the internet is doing to our brain, if, if that could be translated, because um, Nicholas Carr does say that it is actually changing the physical um, physicalities of our brain, but also, real quick, the last statement, he started with a McLuhan statement, so mm-hmm. I would like to say that uh, for Mariah that there's a McLuhan statement that goes, there's absolutely no inevitability as long as there's a willingness to contemplate what is happening. And I think um, a good doorway to start contemplating what is happening and what we're doing with our technology is the approach of media ecology. And I wonder if Professor Levinson would speak anything to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dan, uh, I really appreciate the call. Of course, you said many different things there that we've got to kind of go back over. But uh, first, uh, Professor Levinson, do you want to talk about your music career, which we have not even mentioned?
3: Yeah, I'd be happy to, briefly. First of all, I try to do as much damage as possible. And uh, also, I'm the kind of person where if I ever really love something, I always try to produce it. Uh, it's a good thing I wasn't interested in quantum mechanics. I probably would have blown up the world already. But uh, I came out with my first album in 1972. It's called Twice Upon a Rhyme. And uh, I came out with my second album in 2020. i wanted to build up my audience over 60 years. Years. That's called welcome up songs of space and time. You can listen to that on Spotify, Apple Music, <laughs> and any place and every place. Um, and to me, by the way, songwriting and writing lyrics and music is is the same part of my brain as that I used to write books. So mm. it, you know, it goes pretty easily yes. for me. As far as media ecology is concerned, uh this is a, a, an important point because this is an example of a field of study dedicated to understanding the impact of media and how we can indeed better control media. And uh actually uh Marshall McLuhan came up with the term in the 1960s, Neil Postman who was my dissertation advisor founded a program at new york university which is where i got my phd Mm called the Media Ecology Program and there's now a Media Ecology Association uh, created by Lance Strait who is one of Neil Postman's students that holds conferences every year so if anyone is interested in what the cutting edge is in the thinking of, of how we can be on top of technologies rather than vice versa you should check out anything that has to do with media ecology
1: yeah so, so speaking of Neil Postman who who you studied with. Uh, he was really skeptical, for instance, of television news and the influence that it had over us. Uh, he, he said it wasn't good for our political and democratic uh, discourse. I, I wonder what he would make of, of cell phones and whether you agreed with, with his assessment of technology that at that time was really changing uh, the world in communication.
3: Well, I didn't agree with him at all. I loved him. He was my favorite professor. He was an inspiring teacher. But uh, I, as a teacher, failed utterly to teach Postman that, indeed, there were good uh, effects. Of media, uh, including uh, television, he didn't have much use for uh, personal computers either because they had screens, and he thought. Basically, I once had a conversation with him. He said, "It's just another kind of television." I said, "No, it isn't. You you can write on this, you can create content and send it out on the computer." And he shook his head and said, "No, no. You know, it it still has the same uh, problem." But I think, look, all media, and this gets back to my metaphor of knives. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt that, uh, you know, phones and computers and television, you you know, they can do damaging things to society and have done damaging things. And, you you know, very quickly, if if you think about, for example, Ezra Klein's op-ed in The New York Times Mm -hmm. uh, a month ago, the, the, the... Internet, Twitter in particular, is a two-edged sword. You find truth on there, and you also find a cesspool of misinformation. The key is being able to sort that difference out. And we have never had a a more effective way of finding the truth, even though we're being bombarded by all this nonsense.
1: But it doesn't seem like it's working all that well, does it? I mean, you know, especially... In the last few years, when there is, I think, a more concerted effort to spread misinformation and to have it influence things like our politics, I, I, I guess I don't feel like the the human control over our technology is sufficiently, I guess, pushing back against that.
3: Well, it's a, it's a question of what your gauge is. Biden did beat Trump he in the did. 2020 election. The fact of the matter is Hillary Clinton won the popular vote she in the did. 2016 <laughs> election. So the fault is not technology. The fault is our arch- our archaic electoral college system. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there there is there are a lot of bad things happening. You know, getting back again to the pandemic, a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. is out there. But we did get on top of it. You know, the pandemic is. Fine finally receiving. It's not over yet. So look, we live in very dangerous times, and there's no doubt about that. And this is not a time to say, hey, don't worry, everything is okay. Mm-hmm. We have to be vigilant as never before, but we have the capability of getting on it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Paul Levinson, it was really, really wonderful to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: My pleasure. Mm-hmm.
1: That's it for us this week. Come back on Monday when we're going to talk with author Ed Young about how animals perceive the world and how humans have altered that and how we can live in closer concert with them. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday.